Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. You are listening to the Service Business Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Tersh Blissett. From time to time, I'll go on business trips where a lot of people are not in our industry. I do this on purpose so that I can gain an insight into things that aren't in the air conditioning and plumbing and electrical industries. So I can try and twist them in my own kind of way, doing things a little different and make it work for our company. Last week, I went and had the pleasure of meeting an author by the name of Mike Michalowicz. Great guy, great team. His support team alone, how he set that up is amazing and is enough to be inspiring on its own. But I was lucky enough to be there with a group of just under 20 people, and we were going over ideas for Mike's new book, which was awesome. It was great. But even better than that, I was able to meet a few of those people. The thing about it is, is you know how you have some of those relationships where you're like, okay, well, we can definitely help each other grow as a business owner. That's the vibe that I got from everybody that was there. Everybody that was there was wanting to give back to the community or to each other. One of those people was Alyssa Light. You can tell that she's very empathetic, really wants to help, and she's experienced with it. So I reached out to her and got her to come on the podcast. And this episode could have gone a lot longer. But what we did was we broke it up into two parts. So this episode is actually going to be just on performing a group interview. This is something that I just happened to want to do. I was introduced to this thought process by a guy named Jerry Hall out of Atlanta. And I'm really close to actually having everyone come in for the group interview. I already have applications and everything. So whenever I was talking to Alyssa, it helped even more because I was able to come up with the questions. I think you'll benefit from these questions and along with part two, when we start talking about the individual interviews. But with that being said, let's get started with this interview with Alyssa Light. We're here with Alyssa. You may hear A a lot today because she's not from around here, not from South Georgia. So this is exciting. We're going to be talking about hiring people and she's kind of found a way to do it and make it successful. And in our industry, that's a sign of relief. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. Oh, it's my pleasure. So tell me about what you have, because this isn't your only business, but this is the business we're going to talk about today. We'll have a different episode where we're going to talk about your other very exciting stuff. But what do you have going on today? Yeah, I think it would be really valuable for your listeners to know that much like a lot of the things that they fell into in life and found out that they loved or were good at, this is what happened to me too. So we're all in this together. And this came out of hiring over a hundred people in three summers. So I ran a summer camp with a charity in addition to my business. And every year we had to create a brand new team. I don't know if you can imagine what that must be like having to hire 35 to 40 millennials every single year and hope that they all get along, but it's an adventure and a half. I'm trying to hire two or three millennials to just stay forever, <laughs> not every summer. Uh-huh. So this was really like, it came out of, hey, why don't we try doing interviews this way? And let me try doing interviews that way. And then I started to talk to other people about how we do it and the success we were having. And people just kind of looked at me. Do you understand when I say the confused ostrich look? Like they kind of look at you, crook their head, raise an eyebrow, like WTF, buddy. 
And we just started making it happen and we started sharing with people. And so now there's a whole bunch of different industries using this and they're finding great success with it. So now I'm sharing it with other people and people are hiring me to help them create it for them. So it's been a really, really neat turnaround. So we're going to talk about what that's like today. Perfect. So let's dive into that. What is that like? What exactly are you describing whenever you say that? So can you imagine when you go and attack a problem, often people use trial and error to fix it versus working from the end. So be it goal setting or finding something that's broken or whatever, we start from the end and we work backwards. And that's what HR has never done. And that's what we started to do. So there's two pieces of this. There's the group interview piece and there's the individual interview piece. Which one do you want to tackle first? Oh, I love the group interview because that's my next goal. That's what I want to do. Okay, fabulous. So here's how we do our group interviews. So we pre-screen people. They send in an email with their resume. We pre-screen them. And the first thing that we look for really is the diversity of skills. Because depending on what people are interested in or what people are looking for, you might see something different than the next person. So an example of that is we know that millennials keep jobs for an average of two years, which may really stink for the people in HVAC and in other trades, but we also know that often those are the people who are looking for some purpose. So we could potentially give that to them in the trades. And I think actually, Tersh, this might be really valuable for your listeners to know. Guys, I used to be a tradesperson. Now I was in a very different trade, but I know how hard it is to get and keep people. And I'm only not in my trade anymore because I physically can't do it. Otherwise, let me tell you, I'm a huge fan and and my whole family's full of tradespeople. So this is my heart right here. Earlier in that, when you were starting out, you said that you start at the end and you work your way back. Yeah. Really fast. How did we meet? How did you and I meet? Oh, wicked cool. We got to hang out with Mike McCallowitz and 16 other ridiculously incredible individuals from across America and one other fellow Canadian, A, just to get it. And then we all went out for dinner together and then we went out for drinks together and we just hit it off and talk and shop was, was the thing that we did and it was amazing. And then I gave you A lessons and you've only used it correctly once, I would like to point out. <laughs> it's, it's very complicated. It's a very complicated word. So working from the end, I mean, we were in that group with Mike and we were working from the end of his thought process to trying to figure things out, which fits perfectly into your program. Yeah, definitely. He's got a book coming out and I was so grateful for the opportunity to help work on some of the stuff that he's working on with you and everybody else in the room, especially with him. (laughs) Just by happen chance we met. Go back to the group setting and once we've got them all there. Yeah, we screen the resumes and we look for more kind of attitude than anything. And we can see that because people who are really driven by results will put in their resumes, I sold this much, I turned around this much, I solved this many problems. People who look for the best in other people might have some really great volunteer experience. So we're looking for the kind of personality that we have in the position. And so the big thing for people to do, if you're going to do group interviews, my friends, is decide what kind of people and what kind of attitude you want, but what's important on your team before you run your interviews. So here's what I mean. With this charity that I do some work with, we really need awesome people who are really passionate. That's really, really what matters to these kids because most of our kids come from foster care. So they really need that. And so we decided to put right in our job descriptions that we're looking for passionate people. And that's a great thing to do because it automatically filters people. So if in HVAC, you're looking for people who are really curious, or you're looking for people who are great problem solvers, or kind of have a stick with it attitude, put that description before the name of the job that you're listing. Okay. People will filter themselves. And that is a beautiful thing, my friend, because it saves you a ton of time. Yeah. So tell me how you feel about this. 
I don't know where I got this from, but basically when I've been putting up ads lately, it's these are the things that I don't want or these are the things that will not work with us. So if you do not like working in a hot attic, if you cannot work in a hot attic or if you're just looking for a paycheck, collect your 40 hours and go home. If you're not looking for an upbeat atmosphere, if you're not looking for freedom because I'm not a micromanager, like those types of things. Would you say that that way people can weed themselves out or is that being too negative in that description? Picking that apart, I happened to see a little podcast with a friend of mine called Tersh who admitted that he didn't like working in hot attics. So I'm not sure that that's an entirely fair thing to put given that you don't like working in hot attics, hot hell, it's black. I think that there is a way, Tersh, that you can make that happen or phrase that in a way that people will get it. Can I give you an analogy that might help? Yeah. In Canada right now, I'm sure the whole world has heard that we have legalized cannabis and they have these ads everywhere that are mostly in bus shelters because they're the most common place to put a big ad in our area and in many areas. And all of them have a big green circle with the word no in the middle. And on top of it is a question that is, you can't even read because you're driving by and the print is too small. And all of them are, can I do this? Can I buy cannabis if I'm under 19? Can I smoke it in my car? Can I whatever? And the answer is no to everything. And my question is, why did you say yes to something and then tell everybody no? So when you put these things in your job listings, you want to think about how you want to give people permission because you're not allowing people, you're not giving people a job as an entrepreneur. You're giving people a job that where you don't micromanage them. So I, I don't know that freedom is the best word to use because right. for a lot of millennials is I get to do what I want when I want. So that actually might be kind of confusing. Can you see how that would be confusing? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Okay, so let's do this. Let's think about a way we could phrase this. So you could put it as you're looking for somebody who's independent. Okay. I just heard you. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Taking little show notes here. There you go. So, I mean, independent is going to come across as you want to have somebody that you can trust. So why not tell them that? Yeah, very much so. I mean, they need to be trustworthy. The problem is, is so during the busy season, I feel like that's when we most of the times kind of are reactive and we want to hire someone really fast. But the people that are actually applying for jobs during that time of year are not the people who would fit our culture and they're probably not trustworthy because they're looking for a job. So that's twofold. They got a job and they despise the people they work for, but they're really good tech. But more often than not, they got laid off or they're getting less hours because they're not a good tech. So what's your thoughts with me trying to hire outside of the industry? I would do it. I mean, I hire people and my fellow associates in different industries look at me like, you're going to hire somebody to work with, let's say kids, if we go back to that example, who have zero experience with kids. And I say, yep, sure do. And they go, but why? And I tell them because they don't have any preconceived notions about how kids should be. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. You see the commercials and like kids are all angels. And then they come to your camp and they're like, I hate kids. Right? (laughs) Child by fire. No, I'm kidding. But it happens. And here's the thing. Like when somebody shows up and they're like, wow, I just found out that the kids aren't my thing. We have a conversation and here's what I want listeners to do. Don't tune out right now because I'm talking about children, because let me tell you, I am sure the fucked work behaves like children sometimes. Okay. I have heard the words that come out of Trace people's mouth. I am quite sure that things don't go the way we always want them to. I was a goldsmith for everybody who's listening. And I remember the time that I cracked a diamond when I was setting it. Like, let me tell you, diamonds can be cracked. Things go wrong, my friends. 
So whether we're talking about diamonds or ductwork or children, I mean, we have to have a good attitude. I mean, let's talk about collaboration for a minute. If you have somebody who's both independent and collaborative, chances are they're pretty reliable and a good communicator. I like that. So how about this? Beforehand, do you actually do any testing? I would say mechanically testing, but also like personality type tests, like disc profiles or anything like that? Or Okay, so let's talk about this. So I have used them. I don't rely on them entirely. If you're a person, like just get real with yourself, my friends. If you don't read people well, okay, some of you don't. And that's okay because you're going to be good at things that I'm not good at. You can use this fabulous online tool. It's a woman called Sally Hogshead. She's a neuroscientist. Oh, I remember you talking about that. Yeah. And she has come up with this way. I got to tell you guys about this. It's so cool. She has come up with a way to essentially evaluate how the world sees you, not how you see the world. (laughs) The brutally honest truth. And you're like, no, that's not true. Yeah. And all those other profiles, and they're great. I mean, they can be wonderful, but they really rub your ego, which can be a great thing. I mean, let's face it, like sometimes I got a sore one and it needs some massaging, okay? But seriously, Myers-Briggs and True Colors and all those things, that's all about how you see the world. If you want to know how the world sees you, howtofascinate.com. Howtofascinate.com. It takes, I don't know, 15 minutes to fill out these questions. But at the end of that, you throw your email address in. Don't complain about throwing your email address in, my friends. You put your email address in and you get all this information about how the world sees you. And what's really great about that is you find out what your primary and secondary advantages in life are. And that cross-referenced on a chart, Sally calls those archetypes. And when you get all this information about your archetype, she's also going to tell you the ones that are going to best suit you as a person. Best fill those gaps of what you're not good at. And so suddenly you have this beautiful resource that you can say, like, let's say, Teresa, you're hiring an assistant and you know what kind of person you need because you've done this test. You can then ask people who apply to fill out this test and anybody who doesn't fit into those categories, you can say, you know what, you're awesome, but let's find something else for you to do because this is the kind of person I need. I mean, we're talking about a woman who has done this tens of thousands of times. She is brilliant. This isn't something that you just kind of took on as a hobby. I mean, you did this for several summers, hiring all these people. You didn't just reach out to local people and said, hey, I have a a summer camp. I want you to come work out for a couple of weeks. You literally have people from New Zealand and England all over the place that are reaching out and coming to work with you at your summer camp. Yep. Six countries. Yep. It's not something that you're kind of an amateur at hiring people. So. What percentage would you say? I remember in class, you were saying something about your hiring percentages. Do you have any clientele that you've worked with and you've gone from one to the other? I don't recall 100%. So when I started with this charity in 2016, they had a 50 to 60% success rate. So we're talking turnover, employee satisfaction, productivity, that sort of thing. Okay. So on the whole, 50 to 60%. And this past summer, we hit over 90%. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, no fully around it. Yeah. <laughs> a. A. You did it right. That was a good one, but it you have to it's a little more casual. It's like this, no fully around it, eh? Oh, okay. You gotta roll up in that case. All right. So after we post uh excuse me, list jobs, it's funny, I started telling people the only place you post something is for a lost dog. Anyway, so when we when we list our applications, when we work with the international placement agencies to bring people over. What we do, we can't do a group interview with them, but the group interview for the staff in Ontario, where I live, what we do is we have people come in and we send them an email beforehand and it says, hey, thanks so much. We're really excited to meet you. Here are the three things we need you to bring. 
and we say, we want you to bring a copy of your resume, three copies of your resume, and one copy of your references. So that's the standard stuff. And then the three things that we need from you, we need you to bring an item that represents who you are as a person, something from the dollar store that starts with the second letter of your middle name. Oh, cool. And we want you to bring a five-minute activity to do with the group. So they're going to instruct the activity. Totally. And I'll tell you, this has way less to do with the instructing and way more to do with everybody else in the room. Check this out. So when we ask you to bring three copies of your resume, it's because I'm going to have three staff there hanging out to see how you interact with different people. I'm not looking for everybody to be outgoing. I'm not. If I had every single staff was outgoing, then all my shy kids who show up have no one to relate to. So when you're doing your hiring, think about the wonderful seniors that you deal with and what kind of person would be best matched for them. And think about the working parents who are in a hurry and think about the person who just bought their first home. It's probably going to be a different kind of service tech that goes to each of those people and serves them best and represents who you are, who your culture is, what your business is about. I like it. I haven't thought about it that way. So you're not looking for one type of person passionate person or an independent person, they can be shy. They can be outgoing. They can be a little withdrawn. They can be the kind of person who, hey, steps back and takes a little while to warm up. And that's okay because they need to know where their safe space is. And I'm not being cushy here. You people out there who are shy and a little bit more quiet, aka Tersh, you know these things, right? But then let me tell you, my friends, put Tersh with nine people who want to hear all about these podcasts and offer their attention for half an hour in the middle of a busy restaurant. We didn't say a word because he was so interesting. So for those of you listening out there who are like, I don't know how to be safe with people. There's a way to do that. You got to find an employer. You got to communicate that you just need some time to settle in. Oh yeah. I love it. I'll send you that 20 bucks later in the mail. Million dollars. That's like a million and a half. So thank you. <laughs> okay. What about the other thing? So why are we bringing in the five minute activity? So we're bringing in five minute activity because We just want to see how you are in front of people. So there is that piece of it. But moreover, how are the other people in that group reacting to your activity? What do you mean? So are they like paying attention or are they like fidgeting with their phone type stuff or? Are they paying attention? Are they encouraging even if you're having a hard time? Oh. Yeah. Are they supportive when you make a mistake, do they ask questions about how you learned it? Do they need clarification? And if they do, do you get mad at yourself for not explaining properly? Do you get embarrassed about that? Or are you gracious? And do you say, oh, hey, you know what? I can see how that didn't come across clearly. Let me say that a different way. They're interviewing when they're not even on the spot. Totally. (laughs) Genius. Let me tell you this, Tersh, the most important part, we actually tell them all these things. We don't keep these things a secret. We say to them, we're just going to watch everybody as they participate. We want to know how you work together as a team. We legit tell people that. There are no secrets in these interview processes. We literally tell you what we're doing and why we're doing it. Because I don't want anybody showing up. Again, it doesn't matter, my friends. If we are talking about your HVAC business, your marketing agency, or your summer camp, I do not want people showing up at any job and being super surprised about what they're doing versus what they were told they were going to do. And I don't want them showing up and experiencing a different you than they experienced in the interview. That is not fair. You lied to them and that is not okay. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. I like that because you're an open book where as your business, you're saying you're an open book, but then you're almost tricking them because it's a competition. Everybody knows that maybe in that field, they know that there's going to be a group of people being hired. But whenever I do the group interview, I only intend to hire one, maybe two people. So it may be a competition. So if they see somebody crashing and burning, they're like, oh, 
sucks to be you. Now it's going to be my turn instead of helping them. Yeah. So I'm actually going to totally correct you, Tersh. <laughs> All right. Correct me then. It totally is a competition and it doesn't matter where. But the other thing is like, I'm not tricking anybody. I literally stand up there and I say to them, this is why we're doing this interview. This is why we do it this way. Here's what I want you to rely on me for. And at the end of this interview, I want you to have the freedom to say, I still want to come and work for you. Or you know what? This just isn't for me, but thanks. And they can just do that on their own though, which is the part that I like. The fact that they can disqualify themselves. There was somebody else that I was talking to a while back about, and that's who got me excited about the group interviews. And he was saying, like, as you're going along talking, you can allow them to disqualify themselves and leave without any kind of like feeling embarrassed or anything. Just say, hey, you're here. You got your snack or your dinner or however you set up the interview. Don't feel obligated to stay to the end. If this doesn't match, leave. I had an interview once where we booked 12 people, seven showed up and we were seven up, seven down. We didn't hire anybody. We didn't offer anyone jobs. And then I've been in other ones where we booked, I can't remember what the numbers were for that one. I think we actually booked seven for that one. Four showed up. We offered them all a job and only one of them took it. So this really is about a two-way street, especially in areas that are really high unemployment and really low unemployment, because this levels the ground. This is a conversation between people who have or might have a vested interest in what the other one is offering. Oh, okay. So let's talk about the dollar store thing. That's a really juicy one. Because let me tell you, if somebody ever brings in an arrow chocolate bar, I don't know. Do you have arrow chocolate bars in America? Not to my not, I don't think so. So it's basically like solid chocolate with bubbles in the middle. That's an arrow chocolate bar. Oh, like a crunch, like a Hershey or Nestle's crunch. Not sponge toffee. But you know what? This could apply to any chocolate bar. If somebody brings in another chocolate bar and says, oh my gosh, I love chocolate. So I brought this because it was easy. I never want to hire one of those. I never want to have them in an interview again. Here's why. We're going to have you go to the dollar store and we're going to have you purchase an item. It starts with the second letter of your middle name. It can be absolutely anything. I don't care what you bring. I legitimately, listen to me, do not care what you bring. Why? Because it has zero to do with what you bring and everything to do with how you picked it and the story that you're going to tell us. Because your ability to recreate what happened when you were looking for that tells me a lot about your communication skills. Oh. I hear you writing again. Oh, yeah. I do like that. Here's how it goes. I had a woman, and I can't remember what her middle name was, but I remember that the second letter was U. Aside from umbrella, there aren't a whole lot of options that start with you. I mean, sometimes people really have to go for this. And for those of you out there who are like, I don't have a middle name, get your people to be creative because the ones who show up with nothing, you don't want to hire them. What I want people to do is tell me why they picked it. If I had a woman come in, and say, oh yeah, I did this because it was the first thing I saw and I was running late, so I ran out. Well, you're probably running late a lot because this is about thought. This is a job interview. I want you to put some thought into what you're picking out to bring to us. So it's probably a no, a really easy no. Yeah, very true. If a man comes in and says, oh, the second letter of my middle name is, let's see, give me a letter, Tersh, we'll do this on the spot. L. Great. So if somebody says, oh, the second letter is L. And I really wanted to bring something that represented me, but couldn't think of anything off the top of my head. So I decided to look around and see what I could find. Okay, there's a person who observes their surroundings and they took their time. So I went down a few aisles and I saw, you know, those little Hot Wheel cars. I remember when I was a kid, I just love those. And you hear the passion in their voice about these little cars because they're remembering what it was like when they were a child. Oh, I got a Lamborghini. 
So then I decided, hmm, maybe I should look at what else I have. Now, all of a sudden, you're listening to a person who considers their options. It's really getting deep. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't take much, right? Like once you kind of get through it, you go, oh, and you can just listen for what's there because you're not listening for judgment. You're just listening to what's there. And they don't even realize they're communicating these things. And you listen for that. And so you decide what types of communication are really important. Like for us, it's storytelling and relatability. So then how does the audience who's listening react? Do they laugh at any point? Because often laughter is about relatability. Do you kind of lean in? Oh, that's really interesting. So let's relate this to HVAC so that it's much more relatable for your listeners. Somebody's at a house and they're in a hot attic. You know them? You know those hot attics, Tersh? <laughs> Never been in one. <laughs> I feel like we need to do a new hashtag, like hashtag hot. <laughs> yes. All right. The other thing we're going to do right now is I'm going to teach you something and I'm going to teach your listeners something that can be really helpful. A lot of you listening don't know why that was funny because you don't understand what a hashtag is. <laughs> and no, 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 listen to me. And you don't want to ask because you don't want to seem like you're out of it. So this is a way that your interviewees or your interviewer can communicate. When you see the confused ostrich look, you can say, hey, I understand that some of you may not have received that or may not have got it. You don't have to point out and say, hey, you, did you not get that? You can just really graciously say, oh, I can see that didn't land well with everybody. Let me say that a different way for you. So here, my friends, is what a hashtag is. When you see a hashtag, you can usually click on it. It's not always clickable, but sometimes if it's not, just highlight it, drop it in a Google search. And what's going to happen is Everything with that hashtag is going to pop up. So it's like an automatic filtration system that leads you faster into the information that you're looking for. Absolutely. Just a side note, when you're picking your hashtags, search them before you actually save them to an image. Sometimes you will have the most innocent hashtag. And if you click it, you will say, reverse, let's back it up. That is not what I want to convey in that image. Yeah. The other thing you want to do, my friends, is some words are combinations of other words or can be broken up. And when you put them all in a row, people don't see the single word, they see two words. And I hesitate a little to give this example, but I'm going to because somebody gave it to me so that I could understand something better. I was in a class about building websites. This was years ago when websites first came out. And somebody had therapist.com Except when you break down therapist, it looks like the rapist.com. Oh, dang. Yeah. You have to be very careful with that. Right? So you may think it's the greatest thing in the world, but remember that you have to put stuff out there for other people to look at because ultimately you're responsible for what's out there. How they interpret it. You obviously can't control everybody's interpretations, but... No, of course not. Of course not. That's something to think about. Anyway, so let's pop back here to the Lamborghini and the letter L. Yeah, yeah. If this person looks around and really considers things and is able to make people laugh, then probably they're going to be a good fit because they're relatable. And in HVAC, when you're going into people's homes, I mean, let's talk about the elderly woman for a minute. If your interviewee has the perspective that old people don't know what they're talking about, then they're not going to have respect for that person. They might actually do less quality work than your company stands for. Oh, yeah. Or offend the person because... For all we know, that person could have been in the HVAC industry or a trade themselves talking to them like they don't know anything. Yeah. And there is something to be said for conversation. And I understand that not everyone's a conversationalist. And frankly, a lot of my trades friends are not conversationalists. 100% true. But the bigger part of conversation is listening. And it's okay to say to maybe that senior or that single person or that new homeowner who has a lot of questions, 
it's okay to say to them, ma'am or sir, I've got 10 minutes and I'm happy to give you those 10 minutes, but I'm going to have to cut you off at 10 minutes because I've got another wonderful family waiting for me. And just like I wanted to be here for you, I need to go be there for them. See, I love that. That is not touchy-feely. That is putting a boundary in place so that your tech can listen and that person is served. Yes. I love the way that that was just worded because that is something we run into a lot. Totally. We're not talking about soft skills in this interview. So we'll talk about that one on a different one. I do love that though. That's really what you're looking for with that piece. And then can we talk about the other piece that bring something that represents you, who you are as a person? Yes. Let's hit that one. I think this one's going to make you laugh a little bit, Tersh. Are you ready? Okay. This actually has nothing to do with who you are. Thank you for bringing it. It does nothing to do with who you are. Okay. Unless you bring something entirely inappropriate. And then we got issues. Okay. I mean, I've seen a lot of things and I've seen some pretty inappropriate things. People weed themselves out that way. But this is actually a partner interview. So you get together. So let's pretend that you and I are in an interview together, Tarsh. Okay. Okay. Okay, cool. What did you bring to the interview to represent who you are as a person? Probably just spitballing a microphone. Perfect. And what have I got close by to me right now? I brought Red Bull. You brought Red Bull. Okay. Here's why Red Bull represents me. Red Bull represents me because I feel like I have wings when I get to do really fun stuff like being on podcasts. Because I mean, being with people is really my bag. So it gives me a little bit of something. How, tell me, how does your microphone represent who you are as a person? Well, the microphone in this setting, I'm not in front of a lot of people, but I'm able to speak to a lot of people. I like to have that influence ability and people to, can come to me if they have questions in a safe atmosphere. And then I can still share information without having to be out there and be everywhere physically. I can be out there digitally and sharing helpful information to people. So now what we would do is we would tell each other how that represents who we are as a person. Sounds like I said sharing a lot. So maybe I'm a big time sharer. (laughs) Oh my goodness. The veil comes off, my friends. (laughs) Don't tell anybody I said that. (laughs) We'll keep that to ourselves. I won't tell anybody. Hashtag for shares. All right, here we go, friends. So there are two ways that you can do this exercise. So you can do how it represents who you are as a person. And what you can look at, again, is how accurately that your partner introduces you to the group. Oh, so how well they paid attention to you and what you have going on. Yep. So you can question. So if I introduced you and I said all the things that you said, and there were a couple of parts that were really important that I missed... As an interviewer, I can say to you, oh, Tersh, did Alyssa accurately recreate exactly what you said? You know, did she get anything? You don't want to say, did she miss anything? You want to say, what did she miss? Gotcha. Okay. Really, really important, my friends. Huge, huge difference there. Because they missed something. Believe me. Have you ever played broken telephone? Exactly. Watch the face of the person who is being talked about. Don't watch the person who's talking. Okay. Because that'll tell you a lot. People will make stuff up if they forget. And let me tell you, there is no (laughs) more authentic reaction than the WTF face. What are you talking? Like where did that come from? (laughs) So that's one way you can do it. The other way you can do it, you phrase this a little bit differently in that email that you send, okay? Or in the instructions you give in the interview. What you want to say is, how are you like that object? So You might be like that microphone because you like to share and you want people to do well. Then you have that person stand up and say that. However, let me tell you, what you will hear is not that because people can't listen. People don't listen. What they'll tell you is why you like the object. 
oh, Tersh likes it so he can like communicate with people versus Tersh is like the microphone because. The other thing is, here's an opportunity for somebody or for you to be able to look at someone's confidence or be witness to someone's confidence because there are people who are not going to understand this. And they're going to say, wait, what did you say? Can you say that again? And then somebody in the room is going to be brave enough to say, I didn't understand that. Or someone in your room is going to be brave enough to say, I didn't quite get that. Can you give us an example? Tell me, do you want a tech who is able to say, I don't understand what you just taught me, or I've never seen this before, or hey, homeowner, I am so sorry, but of all the things I've seen in my 10 years on the job, five minutes on the job, I've actually never seen this before and I'm going to need some help. Which do you want more? Oh, 100%. I want them to communicate that they didn't understand. And then also I'd like for them to communicate it in a way that seems confident. Like I typically understand these things and I don't understand this. So you could do it, explain it again. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of, oh boy, here's the other joke. Like I am a hashtag recovering perfectionist. Let me tell you. And I, I was never able to ask. I was so scared. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to look stupid. You know, I, I've done something wrong. I should know this. And I should it on myself and I should it on myself and I should it on myself. And I was like, wow, Alyssa, you really need to get over this because there are people out there who actually want you to do well and want you to help. How do you know that? Because you want to help people. Right. Why not let somebody help you? And you can see these things in job interviews. And let me tell you, like these three things are not necessarily going to be relevant to everybody, but for your listeners, there are so many awesome things that you can do together that we can help you develop. There are so many great ways that you can do this. It takes a little bit of practice. It does. It takes a little bit of practice. But ultimately what you're looking for is somebody tenacious enough and confident enough to say, I don't get it and be okay with it. Yeah, it'd be okay with it. And then you just have to be prepared for that conversation too, so that you don't talk down to them or get frustrated that you have already explained this thing 12 different times. Like, why aren't you getting it? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's not them. Maybe it is you. Maybe you're getting a dumbfounded look across the whole room and they're just not brave enough to say something. For sure. All right, cool. So let's wrap it up. But before we go, because I know you read a lot, I want to ask you and then I'll share mine. What's something that you recommend to the audience to listen to or read? And what are you reading right now? So I'm reading Clockwork by Mike Michalowicz right now. I never heard of that guy. Who is that? Huh? Huh? Did we hang out with him on Friday? Huh? I think a better way for me to answer your question, Tersh, is for me to ask you another one. What is something that you know your audience is struggling with right now? Or what's something that they want to be better at, but maybe they're afraid to ask for help with? Definitely hiring people would be a big thing. That is the struggle. Like That's what we see constantly in our industry, in all trades. They're just saying there's no good hiring pool anymore. Unemployment's so low that there's nobody out there to hire. Hiring in general is a struggle within our industry. And then probably developing the culture that people would want to come to you. That's probably the root cause of the hiring. Because the people that I know who have an awesome culture, they don't have a hiring issue. The people who don't really know their culture, they're great people, but they don't know their culture those are the ones that I feel like most of the times have the hiring issues or they're not known like Icebound. When we were trying to hire for Icebound over the summer, nobody knew who we were. So when we were trying to hire, they were taking a huge leap of faith to come on board. So I have two suggestions and one of them is going to be potentially a little self-serving if that's okay with you. Perfect. Do it. 
So I have two suggestions. One of them is a book. Uh, it's an older book, my friends. It's called It's Not About the Coffee. It's Not About the Coffee. And it's by Howard Bihar, Howard Schultz. And I am so sorry, I can't remember the woman's name off the top of my head. It is the story of Starbucks. And it is incredible. Absolutely incredible. You will learn a lot about culture by listening. They don't necessarily specifically talk about it for the whole book, and they don't specifically talk about hiring for the whole book, but the essence of the culture of Starbucks is in there. And for those of you cringing right now because of $4 coffee, you will get <laughs> more out of this book. You will, I promise you will, because I did not go to Starbucks until I read this book. And now I don't go to our local, I mean, you guys have Dunkin' Donuts, we have Tim Hortons. And I more or less don't go to Tim Hortons after being at, reading this book once in a while. But generally speaking, I'll, I'll pay the money at Starbucks. You don't go get the donut holes? <laughs> They're called Timbits. Yeah, them. When I go north, I get them. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Anyway, and then um, the other piece of it is I'm actually in the middle of writing a book about this. So if you are interested in receiving a copy or maybe being part of some of the research that I'm doing for this book, I would absolutely love if you'd send me an email. It's Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A, at the profitable innovator. Dot com. We can put this in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Is that how they would also reach out to you to get help with their business? For sure. Or my friends, just call me. I'm a human. I have a cell phone. 519-362-3281. If you cannot make international calls, text to that number and I will call you. 519-362-3281. We are all in this together. Thank you, Alyssa, for spending some time with us on this here podcast. Mm -hmm. It was a great pleasure to meet you up in Jersey. It was fun. It was really fun. A. A. Wrong use. <laughs> well, not wrong use. You got to roll it, my friend. Roll the A. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I don't talk fast enough, A. <laughs> that was pretty good. I'll, I'll let you have that one, okay? All right. We'll talk to you again soon. You have other things going on, too, that will excite our audience. So we'll have you back on. Amazing. Let's do that. I'll speak to you real soon, Tersh. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye, friend. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Service Business Mastery Podcast. I'm Brian Orr. This podcast is a proud member of the Blue Collar Roots Network, and you can find out more by going to bluecollarroots.com. You can also listen to this podcast at bluecollarroots.com. The best way to listen to a podcast is by doing so on an application on your phone, an app on your phone. So if you have an Apple phone, an iPhone, then you can use the little purple tower right on your phone called the podcast app and listen to this podcast anytime just by typing in service business mastery in the search bar and hitting subscribe. Similar process if you are on an Android device, either download the Stitcher app, you can do it there, you can also do it within the Google Play Store and just type in Service Business Mastery, hit subscribe, and then you won't miss any of the future episodes. Also, if you're willing, reviews in the podcast app or in iTunes really help the podcast grow. So if you enjoy what you hear here, then go on the podcast app and leave us a review. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time on the Service Business Mastery Podcast.